amazing to be able to have church. Lord, we thank you that we can gather in your name. What an incredible privilege to gather as your people and praise your holy name. Lord, we thank you that you are our God. You are our Savior. You are our everything. Lord, we want to thank you for your provision in our lives and that we can give to your work, that we can give generously. And so we thank you that you include us in your work and that we can partner with you in this way. And so we pray that you would take every tithe, every offering that has been given to you as an act of worship and that you would use it, Lord, to, the, to your glory and for the extension of your kingdom. And so, Lord, we commit the rest of this gathering to you. And as we look into your word, we ask that you would open our hearts. We welcome you into this place, Holy Spirit. You have your way, Lord. You have your way. This is your time. This is your space, Lord. And we ask that as we open our hearts to you, that you would work, that you would touch our hearts, that you enlighten our hearts, Lord. And that when we leave this place today, we would know we have been in the presence of God, that we have been changed by the presence of God. Work in us, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Amazing. If we haven't met, my name is Lorelei. Welcome to everybody online and welcome to everybody here. It's wonderful to be in the house of God and to be together as His people. So we've kicked off a new series. Simon started last week. He looked at Psalm 100. And we're looking at how we can praise God. My lips will praise. That's what we're looking at. We're looking at the Psalms and just looking at how amazing God is and how worthy He is of praise. So I'm going to look at Psalm 103. It is officially my most favorite Psalm. And so it was an easy one for me when they asked uh, me to preach. I went straight to this one. Uh, Psalm 23 comes in at a close second and Psalm 1 in third place, but I love this psalm very much and I just feel how God stirs my heart so much when I read it. It feels so rich and so full of God's truth. And so for our lips to praise God, our hearts have to be moved. And for our hearts to be moved, our minds have to be informed. And no, there's no better way for our minds to be informed but by the truth of God's Word. And for us to be able to see Him and know Him, and then our lips will pray. So we're going to have a look at the things that God has done. We're going to look at who He is so that our lips will praise. This psalm is full of forget-nots and remembers. And so we're going to have a look at what God says we should remember or what He remembers and what He forgets and what we should remember and what we should forget. So the background of this psalm, we don't have a lot of information, funny enough, of what was happening in David's life at this time. Uh, but one thing we do know about David as we looked at his life a couple of weeks ago and over, over a few weeks is that he was somebody that knew how to praise God. He had seen God's deliverance in his life. He had seen God come through for him over and over again. And his heart was a heart after God. And he lifted up his voice in praise to God. So he writes the psalm, and it's an acrostic psalm. Um, it, they, it, they're 25, 22 verses, sorry. 
And each one starts with one of the letters of the Hebrew alphabet, which is also 22 letters. So there's just a little bit of info for you. They might have done it that way because it would have helped people to be able to remember the psalm, to memorize it, because they didn't have five Bibles in their house at that time, just lying around and they could just, or just whip out their phones and, and be reminded of what God's word said. So we're going to have a look at this psalm. We're going to break it up into five sections. The first one is, remember the Lord's benefits. Then remember the Lord delivers. Number three, remember the Lord's grace. Remember he is a loving father. Then the fifth one, remember the Lord reigns. And I will read, unlike in the first gathering, I forgot to read one of the portions of scripture, but today this, this one, I will read it. So I will read each one, and then I will just unpack some of the words and some of the phrases in that psalm so we can get some insight into it. So the first one, remember the Lord's benefits. So David is instructing us here in this section how we should praise, who we should praise, and why we should praise. And this is what he says, praise the Lord, my soul, all my innermost being, praise his holy name, praise the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all my sins and heals your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with love and compassion, who satisfies your desires with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. Don't you think it's a beautiful portion of scripture? So that word praise is barak in the Hebrew, and it can mean to bless, um, and many translations will say, bless the Lord, O my soul. You might have heard that. So it's to praise or to bless, to kneel, to bless God as an act of adoration, to salute Him. Doesn't He deserve all of the praise and adoration that we can give Him? So we praise from our hearts, like the psalm says, from our innermost being, from our very emotions, from who we are as people. In Psalm 139, it says, you created my innermost being. So that unique person that you are, God created you with your unique personality, just how you are wired in a unique way. He created you that way. And you praise him from that place of uniqueness. And so you have a unique voice in praise that God, I believe with all my heart, that God listens for. When we're in a big group like this, God listens for your voice. So I've got three kids. They're all bigger than me right now. They're all growing right past me, believe it or not. But when they were little, they all spoke from a very young age, and they were all talkers. So they would all talk together and try to get my attention. And I'd have to say, okay, stop, 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 because I can't listen to you all at once. Okay, Geordie, it's your turn. Now you speak. Okay, John, it's your turn. You speak now. Kezi, you have a turn, and you speak. So I would often do that with them. But so that I could hear what they were saying, because I was interested in what they had to say. Yeah. But God can listen to all of us. He yeah. is amazing. He can listen to all of us at once. And He wants to hear, Linda, He wants to hear your voice. La, He wants to hear your voice. Because that rings true to Him. He, because He made you and He loves you so deeply. So let's lift our voices in praise to Him. And so we praise when our hearts are moved, and they often are. But there are times when our hearts are not moved, and we don't have that emotion. 
So do we just sit and not praise God? No, not at all. This is the time that we bring a sacrifice of praise. And we say, God, I'm going to praise you. I'm going to worship you, not because of the way I feel or what I feel like you're doing for me or life is going well. No, I praise you just because you are God, because you are good and you are wonderful and you are deserving of praise. And when we praise, it's also as our, as our minds are informed, our hearts are moved, then our bodies respond and our disposition changes. And then it's this element of Barak where we kneel down, or we raise our hands in adoration and our lips praise. And so all of us is engaged in this act of worship as we respond to God. So this is how we praise. Then who do we praise? It says the Lord. So God's names reveal something of his character to us. And in this psalm, it's um, the name Yahweh. So you will see it is in capital letters. Whenever you see in the Bible, it's written all in capital letters. It's Yahweh. And it is the he is the self-existing eternal God. That's the meaning of his name. And the first time he ever reveals this name uh, to us as people is when he meets Moses at the burning bush. And this is what he says in Exodus 3, verse 13 to 14. Moses said to God, <clears throat> sorry, suppose, suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they ask me, what is your name? Then what shall I tell them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent you. He doesn't need more of an explanation than that. He is who he is. The eternal self-existing God. Yahweh is the name of the God of Israel. And Yahweh is the name of our God. And this is the one that we praise. This is the one whose voices we lift and lift our hearts to. Then the psalmist goes on to say why we praise God. It says, forget not. So in other words, remember. Remember his benefits. This is why we praise. So remember, keep at the forefront of your mind what God has done and who he is. Because we often forget we get so caught up in life, James said it earlier, we get so caught up in life and what's happening around us that sometimes we forget and our attention and our focus is drawn away from God. But when we're being instructed by David, he says, remember all my benefits, all God's benefits. And yeah, he gives five, but we know that there are millions of benefits, millions of reasons that we can actually praise God. But we're going to look at those five. And the first one is, forgives all our sins. That's the first thing that he does. He removes our guilt. He removes the punishment. He removes the weight of sin or the weight that sin brings to our heart, the burden of sin. And you know, when I got saved when I was 20, I got saved and then I got baptized. And I can remember where I was standing and how I felt the day that God removed the burden of my sin. I could physically feel the weight of that sin falling from me. I felt a freedom that I had never felt before. I could feel this thing that it speaks about, I think, in Peter, that we have been taken from darkness into his marvelous light. 
And my life changed forever the day that God forgave my sin and removed that burden of sin from me. So he forgives our sin, so we praise him. But he not only forgives our sin, he heals our diseases. So God has revealed himself right from the Old Testament. In Exodus 15, it says, I am the Lord who heals you. He has revealed himself to us as the one who heals. And that healer means that the one who mends and cures us. So the Father's heart has always been to heal us. And Jesus proclaims that and demonstrates that to us when he comes down to earth. And I just want to read from Matthew 4, 23 and 24. It says, Jesus went throughout Galilee teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness among the people. News about him spread all over Syria and people brought to him all who were ill with various diseases, those suffering severe pain, the demon possessed, those having seizures, and the paralyzed, and he healed them. And so he showed us the heart of God. And I really believe it's time for us to believe again that God wants to heal us physically and from the ailments that we suffer under. I want to be bold today, and I want to ask if there's anybody in this room that is suffering under sickness or disease or severe pain, I want to pray for you today. Because I believe that God is the healer. Is anybody here wanting God's touch on their lives? I know it's a bit strange. We don't normally do this. But if you do, I want you to stand up. Lord, I want to thank you for this, your people. I thank you today that you see them, Lord. You know the suffering that they're experiencing right now. I thank you, Father, that you are able. You are able to touch them. You are able to heal them. You are able to cure them. You are able to restore them. I believe that with all my heart. I believe that is who you are, the healer. And so I ask that you will reach forth your hand of healing and that you will touch them in their bodies. And whatever it is, you know for each one, what it is that they are struggling with, that you will touch and bring healing and bring relief, that they will have a testimony of the goodness of God, the healing power of God in their lives. We look to you today and we thank you that you are our healer in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so much. You can sit down. He heals so we can praise him. But he not only heals... He redeems our life from the pit. You know, in Psalm 40, it says this, He lifted me up out of the slimy pit, out of the mud and mire. He set my feet on a rock and gave me a firm place to stand. This is what our God does. And sometimes we need redeeming. We are stuck in a place. We are stuck in a dark place. And unless God in His compassion reaches out to lift us up, we have no hope. Because it's like that pit is just too slimy. It's too, 
too muddy to try and hack our way up to the top and find that firm place to stand. I don't know if you've ever been in that place of despair and you think if somebody doesn't lift me up out of this pit, there's no way I'm going to be able to get out. I certainly have. So around 2012, um, by then I had lost two of my brothers already. One was 17 when he died. One was 40 when he died. And then in 2012, my very close friend committed suicide in October. And in January, no, March, I think it was, my dad um, became ill and he was in and out of hospital all the way through 2013. And at the end of end, December, he passed away. And I think with all that was happening in my life, I just got to a very dark place. The world was dark blue to me all of the time. And I just didn't know how to get out of this place. And if you'd known me at that time, you would never have known that I was feeling the way I was feeling because I just carried on with life. But God knew how I was feeling. And I think there's some of you in this room, you feel like I'm describing now, the world is dark blue and you don't know how to get out. I want you to know that God sees the place that you are. If there's not another human that understands the way you feel, you must know that God knows how you feel. And He is able to lift you out. You do not have to suffer in that place forever. And God has His own way and His own time, but He hears the cries of your heart. And so I said to the Lord, I cannot go on like this anymore. I don't know how to get out of this place, but I can't do another year like this. So for two months, I prayed the prayer, a prayer from Psalm Isaiah 61. It says, Lord, give me a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, a garment of praise instead of a spirit of heaviness or despair. I prayed that for two months. I said to Vaughan, if you want to pray anything for me, pray those three lines. And this is how amazing God is. I said to him, I can't do another year like this. On the 1st of January that next year, I woke up and the world was bright yellow. You know what I'm saying? It, heaviness had lifted from me. The depression, if you want to call it that, had gone. The mourning had gone, and joy returned to my heart. God had reached down, and He had picked me up. If He had not rescued me, I would still be in that pit. But in His kindness, He lifted me out. He redeems and He rescues, so we praise Him. But He not only redeems... He crowns you with love and compassion. So he lifts us up out of the pit and then he crowns us. That crowns mean, means he surrounds us with love and compassion. Or he gives us a place of honor. If we have any honor today, it's not because of anything we've done. It's because of his love and compassion that we have seen in the Lord Jesus Christ. So just like the prodigal son, we have been undeserving. We don't deserve his love and compassion. The prodigal was lifted out of the pit the day he realized, and he came to his senses, and he went back to his father, and he says, Father, I have sinned against heaven, and I have sinned against you. So he repents of his sin. And what does the father do? Say, you've messed up. I'm not interested in you. <laughs> Go back to where you came from. No. He receives him with love. What does he do? He gives him a robe, 
a ring on his finger, sandals on his feet. He kills the fattened calf to celebrate the return of his long lost son. This is how God shows us love and compassion. We see it in this father's heart. These were things that servants were not given those privileges, only sons. And so he was restored to that place of sonship in his father's house. So God crowns us with love and compassion, so we praise Him. But He not only crowns us with love and compassion. He satisfies our desires with good things. As if this isn't enough. The fact that He has saved us should be enough for us to praise Him. And yet He just keeps adding things, all the good things that He has done for us. You would think it would be enough that He rescued us from the pit. And then say, okay, well, just be on your way, get on with life. But no, he's concerned about what is in our hearts because we're his sons and daughters. So whatever your desire is, God cares about that. And he wants to satisfy those desires that are in your heart. Psalm 145 says that God opens up his hand and satisfies the desires of every living thing. And so I love this picture of God is not a tight-fisted God. He's an open-handed, generous God who gives generously to his people. And then when he satisfies our desires with good things, what happens? Our youth is renewed like the eagles. You know when you've been waiting for God to answer a prayer or, or for something to happen in your life and, and suddenly God comes through for you? You know that joy that fills your heart. It's like a refreshing comes to your soul and strength is restored to you. Now that's what God does. He lifts us up and fills us with joy. And so I want to say to you, are you feeling weary today? Then I want you to remember the benefits of God. Everything that He has done for you and begin to praise Him. As you begin to praise Him, you're going to see that your strength is renewed. He's going to touch your heart in that place. Your heart will be filled with thanksgiving as you remember everything that He has done. And your heart's going to be filled with faith as you anticipate the good things that he is going to do for you in the future. One of the greatest lessons of my life, and I feel like I'm just learning it over and over again, and even in these last few weeks, is that I would learn to delight in God and God alone. God has forgiven my sins. He has healed my diseases. He has redeemed my life from the pit. He has crowned me with love and compassion, and he has satisfied my desires with good things over and over and over again. And I think if I had to speak to you, you would say the same thing. There are many times that you can say that God has done that for you. And I believe he's going to keep doing it for us because we are so dependent on his kindness and his goodness. I'm completely dependent on God, but I'm also reminded that I want to just worship Him and be in His presence and enjoy time with Him just because of who He is. And then thank Him for what He has done or ask Him for things that I need. But it starts with that relationship and out of that relationship, that intimate relationship, comes so much more. So He deserves to be praised and He deserves all of our hearts and all of us. Then the second one, remember the Lord's deliverance. I'm going to read verses 6 and 7. 
So David is pro probably referring to the Exodus when God delivered his people from Egypt and the, the oppression, the slavery that they were in at that time. And he says that the Lord works righteousness and justice for all the oppressed. He made known his ways to Moses, his deeds to the people of Israel. So God heard their cries and he sent Moses as an answer to those prayers to deliver them from that oppression. Through miraculous signs and wonders, God delivered his people. He delivered them for relationship because he wanted a people. And he established them as his people through his covenant and through the law, and they became his people. And the same with us. God has delivered us from our old way of life, from being separate from him, far from him. He has delivered us and made us his people, made us his children. You know, it wasn't long um, from when they were, had come out of Egypt and they were enjoying their freedom that they hit their first obstacle, which was the Red Sea. And, you know, I think sometimes we think once we become Christians, everything's plain sailing, and it's easy from here on in. But it's not. There are times when we hit obstacles, but we need to understand, just like Dekelo said, God uses those times to shape us and to mold us. But we also need to remember that He is our deliverer. And if there is an obstacle that you're facing, He knows what your Red Sea looks like. And He knows exactly what to do to open that Red Sea. So all Moses had to do as an act of obedience and faith was raise his staff. That's what he said to him, raise your staff. God parted those waters and they walked across on dry ground. So I don't know what your Red Sea looks like, but you need to know that God sees it, sees the obstacle, and he's with you in it. God showed his presence to the Israelites through that pillar of cloud and the pillar of, of fire. There was a distinct um, sign of his presence with them. You also have a distinct sign of his presence with you. You have, if you are a Christ follower, you have the Holy Spirit living inside of you. He is with you no matter what obstacle you are facing today. I've lost my place. Where was I? Oh, here I am. Here I am. <laughs> okay. So we need to look to him for the way through um, into the promised land and where God wants to take us. So this first part of the psalm speaks very much about what God has done. And then David goes on to God's character and his attributes. And the third one is that we remember the Lord's grace. And I'm going to read from verse 8 to 12 there. And so God had every right to be angry with us because of our sin and wrongdoing, because he is a holy God. He could, be, and he could stay angry if he wanted to, but he has the right to do that. But instead, he says this, the Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love. He will not always accuse, nor will he harbor his anger forever. He does not treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is the Father's love for those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. So listen to these words that David uses to explain this compassionate nature of God. He says he will not always accuse. The devil accuses us, but God forgives us. And when God forgives our sins, 
they are forgiven. He does not harbor or keep a grudge. He does not treat us as our sins deserve, just like the prodigal that came home. He deserved punishment, but that father treated him as a son. He does not repay us for our sins or punish us over and over again and remind us of what we have done wrong. Instead, for as high as the heavens are above, so great is the Father's love who fear him. He, because of this great love, removes our sin and our transgressions from us. He puts distance between us and our sin as far as the east is from the west. It's a distant memory. And it is never to be remembered again. This is God's grace. Like Duncan said the other day, grace stands for God's riches at Christ's expense. We received God's riches because of what Jesus did for us. And so I want to pause here a moment because I think there's some of you that might hear what I'm saying and you think to yourself, yes, I know when I repent of my sin, when I tell God I'm sorry, he forgives me. But I think sometimes we still live in that place of shame where we've internalized that sin and we haven't actually received God's full forgiveness. We haven't appropriated His grace in our lives and we still live under the shadow of our sin. And I think the, I said to you, you've got a unique voice and I think sometimes that voice is silenced and you shrink back from God and shrink back from God's presence, shrink back from God using your life, shrink back from praising God because you still feel shame because of what you have done. And I believe that God wants to deliver us today because He is the deliverer. He wants to remind us that He has seen every single sinful thing that you have ever done in your life. He has seen every awful and sinful thought that you have ever had. He has seen every evil motive of your heart. Do you know why I'm saying that to you? So that I can heap more condemnation on you? Certainly not. There is no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. I'm telling you that because as you think of it, because there was a time in my life I thought, Lord, how could you watch me do that and you still love me? How is that possible? You see, He's seen everything. He knows what we have done, and yet He still loves us, and He wants to forgive us. How amazing is that? And so we experience guilt for the things that we have done wrong. Guilt is the feeling you get when you have done something wrong or gone against the beliefs, your beliefs or God's word or commands. So guilt is a negative emotion, but it actually pushes us. It's like the Holy Spirit convicts us through that, that we know we've done something wrong, so that we can repent and God can remove that sin from us. So we know we've done something wrong. But shame, it's a feeling that your whole self is wrong. It's not that you've just done something wrong. You are wrong. There is something wrong with you. And it's as though that guilt creeps into the very fiber of your identity and of who you are. And we begin to see ourselves in a negative light. We begin to say, I am an adulterer. I am a thief. Or whatever sin you have committed, that is who I am. But you know, when God forgives us and we become his children, our identity is not found in the wrongdoings. Our identity is in him. He says we are forgiven. He says we are his children. That sin does not define us. 
Our position in Christ is what defines us, and we are righteous ones. We are ones that have been forgiven. We have been cleansed of all unrighteousness. That's what it says in 1 John 1 verse 9, and we are His. I believe there's some here in the room, you are aware of your sin. Even as I'm talking, God wants you to repent so that He can remove that sin from you, that it will not be a part of your life anymore. Then there's some of you who are struggling with shame, and God is saying, you need to release that. God has forgiven you, and now it's time for you to forgive yourself and receive His forgiveness. This is one of the things that God wants you to forget. It is your sin. He has forgotten it, and He wants you to forgive it, uh, to forget it, because He doesn't want anything to hinder your relationship with Him. There are to be no barriers between us and God. That is why Jesus died, that there would be no separation between us and God. He was the bridge. He was the way. He is the way. So he doesn't want us to stay in that place of shame and stay far from from him. And sometimes I think we, you know, we don't come into the presence of God. We don't praise and we cannot bear our souls before God because we haven't fully understood the forgiveness of God and how far it actually extends in our lives. Then the fourth one, remember he is a loving father. I'm going to read from 13 to 18. David speaks again here about God's compassion. That word can also mean to love, to pity, to be merciful, or to be compassionate. As a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. For he knows how we are formed. He remembers that we are dust. The life of mortals is like grass. The wind blows over it and it is gone and its place remembers it no more. But from everlasting to everlasting, the Lord's love is with those who fear him. And his righteousness with their children's children. With those who keep his covenant and remember to obey his precepts. So he David is speaking about the compassion of God, but in this section here, he uses the concept of motherly love to be able to explain to us what the Father's love is like. So that noun for compassion actually is translated as womb, like a mother's womb. And Nancy Walford says this, God's compassion is tied closely to the concept of womb love, the love a mother feels for a yet-to-be-born child. Isn't that amazing? That's the kind of love that God has for us. And those of you, the mothers in the house will know what I'm talking about. So I will often say to my kids, I will just suddenly tell them something that they might not have told me. I would have perceived something about them or maybe their day. Or, And as I say, they'll go, how do you know that? I'm like, don't you know mothers know everything? But I always say to them, I gave birth to you. You know, it's like, I know so much about you. And obviously, it's that we love them. We love, and there's been this bond that has formed in our wombs with this child. That, and you, as a mother, sometimes you can't even explain this enduring love that you have for a child. And I've often seen moms that have struggled, maybe with rebellious children, children that have behaved badly, that have treated their moms badly. And I've often thought, how is it possible that that mom can still be gracious? How is it that she keeps loving? This is womb love. This is womb love, a deeply, deep and committed kind of love that moms don't just give up on 
their children. And this is the picture of the love that the Father has for each one of you. He loves faithfully and enduringly. His love is everlasting. That's what it says here. That from everlasting to everlasting. And part of that compassion that the Father, you know, the compassion and love that the Father has for us is that He actually understands that we are dust. He knows how we are formed. He knows that this flesh is weak, that we are going to fail, that we are actually going to make mistakes. And it says in this passage that we are like the grass. The wind blows and, you know, we, we are. We're frail. Its place remembers it no more. But despite the weakness and knowing that we will fail, His love is from everlasting to everlasting. It says in Jeremiah that He loved us with an everlasting love. That's the kind of love that the Father has for us. But I think sometimes we don't fully grasp that womb love. And Paul, in his wisdom, prays for us and so that we would have the power to know and understand that love. So I'm just going to read a portion of that um, from verse 18. They might put up the whole passage there from Ephesians 3. It says that we might have the power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know that love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. God doesn't want you just to sit here to say, I know, that lady's telling me that God loves me. Yeah, I know it. The Bible says God so loved the world that he gave it one another. No, he wants you to know it's here. He wants you to have an experiential knowledge of his love, that you would wake up tomorrow morning and you would feel the love of God. That how you live tomorrow will be changed because you know you're loved by your Father. So he wants you to experience the Father's love. And according to the psalm, there's a condition here. And there is, well, it says here that with those who keep his covenant and remember to obey his precepts. So those of us that are in Christ and are living the way Christ wants us to live, we can know that deep and intimate love. But there's a dividing line between those that know God, that fear God, that know His love, and those that don't. And that dividing line is faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. So Paul said, what did he say? Believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved. It's faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's what gives us access to the fullness of this love. The fullness of this love. And an intimate relationship with our loving Heavenly Father. And when we put our faith in Him, we enter into this new covenant through the blood of Jesus. And we become new creations in Christ. And so I want to ask you today, where do you stand? Are you in Christ? Are you outside of Christ? Because it takes a decision on your part to receive the sacrifice that Jesus made for your sin on the cross and to acknowledge that after three days he rose again. But you might think, well, I try to do all the right things. I try to live in a right way. But the Bible says we cannot we cannot be saved through our good works. You might think, well, I attend church regularly. I'll be all right. No. 
It is faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and what He has done and accepting forgiveness through the blood of Jesus that will save you. And so if you have not ever made that decision, maybe today is the day you have to make that decision so that you can experience the fullness of the love of your Father and enjoy a full relationship with Him. Don't leave here today. If God is calling you and stirring your heart today, come and speak to us. Make that decision and receive Christ as your Lord and Savior. Then the last thing, the last section is remember the Lord reigns. There is no better way than to conclude the psalm. As we've looked at who God is and what he's done, is to herald him as king. The one who rules over all of heaven and earth. There is no greater one than the king of all kings. Verse 19 says, The Lord has established his throne in heaven, and his kingdom rules over all. Praise the Lord, you his angels, you mighty ones who do his bidding, who obey the word. Praise the Lord, all you his heavenly hosts, you his servants who do his will. Praise the Lord, all his works, everywhere in his dominion. Praise the Lord, my soul. He deserves our praise and honor. You know, there have been many kings in history, leaders, presidents, that have... It's very hot up here, let me tell you. Um, trying not to sweat, because women only glow, you know. I, I'm, past, I'm past that stage now. Okay, so... <laughs> There are many kings and presidents that send their subjects into battle to die for them, for the sake of their country, for the sake of their kingdom. But there is one who has died for us, who laid down his life. And it is in that, in him laying down his life, that we are able to be a part of his kingdom. And to even call the king of all kings our friend. It is this Jesus that we worship And after three days, he rose again. So his kingdom rules forever, throughout eternity. He is never going to be dethroned. He is seated at the right hand of the Father, and he rules and reigns sovereignly and supremely. So how do we respond to this king? Through Barak. We bow the knee. We lift our hands in adoration. We exalt him and give him the honor that is due to his name. Our lips will praise in response to our King of Kings. So we're going to praise, but I just want to do one more thing. So I've spoken about salvation. I want to ask if there's anybody in this room today and you've never committed your life to Jesus, I'm going to ask you to come to the front after this gathering. Speak to one of the leaders here. If you don't understand exactly what I'm talking about, but you feel this drawing of your heart, would you come and speak to us? Because today is the day of salvation. We don't know if we have tomorrow. Then I want to ask for those of you that are still living in that place of shame. Where yes, you know God's forgiven you. But you've never forgiven yourself. And you feel this cloud of shame. You need a fresh revelation or to receive God's forgiveness in your life. I'm going to ask you to stand or even raise your hand. What would you prefer? Just raise your hand for me. I'm going to pray for you. And then I want to pray for those of you that need a fresh revelation of the Father's love. Maybe there's some of you in this room and you feel like an orphan. You don't feel like you belong. Is there anybody here that wants prayer for that? Maybe just bow your heads. Bow your heads. 
Is there anybody that wants prayer? I see one or two hands that you need a revelation either of God's forgiveness so that you can appropriate His grace in your life or you still have an orphan spirit and you don't feel that you belong in the family of God. Lord, I want to pray for these precious people. I want to thank you, Lord, that sometimes we do, we need the power of your spirit to be able to grasp how high and wide and long and deep is the love of God in Christ. And so I ask today as they've just raised their hands that you would meet them, that you would minister to them by your spirit and open up their spiritual eyes to see, yes, they've been forgiven and their sin has been removed from them as far as the east is from the west. I pray that you'd give them a fresh revelation of your forgiveness and of your love, that they will begin to feel your love. They will feel your acceptance. They would feel that they belong, that they know in the the heart of hearts that they're your children. They're in the palm of your hand and nothing can snatch them from your hand, Lord. I ask Holy Spirit for you to do a deep work in each one, even all of us, Lord, need a fresh revelation of your love. Because when we understand the love of the Father, it changes everything. It changes everything. And when we have that sense of identity in our Father, that we're in His family, it changes everything. So Lord, I pray that you would minister to our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm gonna ask you to stand with me and we're gonna read just that first verses one to five. It's such a beautiful portion of scripture. And then the band's gonna lead us in a song and we're gonna praise Him from our innermost beings. So I wanna hear your voices. Praise the Lord, O my soul, O my innermost being, praise His holy name. Praise the Lord, my soul, and forget not all His benefits, who forgives all your sins and heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, and crowns you with love and compassion, who satisfies your desires with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. Lord, He establishes His throne in heaven. His kingdom rules over all. Praise the Lord, you His angels, you mighty ones who do His bidding, who obey His word. Praise the Lord, all His heavenly hosts, you his servants who do his will. Praise the Lord, all his works, everywhere in his dominion. Praise the Lord, my soul. Let's praise the Lord.